This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? We're going to do some podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Glenn Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. Uh, everyone knows my middle name now, which is fun. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're going to know now. Yeah, you can call me Glenn if you want. Uh, that, that's allowed. No, I feel uncomfortable calling you Glenn. I, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm just so used to it. Before uh, I don't prefer it, but it's okay. I won't take <laughs> Uh, before we get into it, I think I have some explaining to do. So, I planned to record the podcast after game two. That was the plan. But what happened was, I developed a pretty bad jaw pain, and I had no idea what was wrong with me. It was difficult for me to eat and talk, much less record a podcast. So, I go I go to visit my dentist, and he performs a three-hour procedure on me, and it was the most uncomfortable experience I've ever felt in my life. Like... No anesthesia. I was awake the whole time. Wow. All he did was numb me. Uh, that sounds hellish. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm the exact opposite of a violent person. But I, I gotta tell you, after three hours of someone digging in my mouth without anesthesia, I wanted to punch this guy. Like, I just, I just, I, I, I was so frustrated after this thing. And I, I didn't even plan for it to be this long. I just thought it was going to be like, oh, you got some sort of infection or something, you know. And we'll just pump you up with drugs or whatever. But it was a three-hour procedure. And the next few days, I'm prescribed three different medications. And I'm super uncomfortable. And my mouth is my mouth is a, is a hellhole right now. And nevertheless, at this point, it was, there, it was the plan was to record a podcast. But then... A bunch of my friends who I know who I known for years just decided to go on a weekend trip that we had talked about for weeks. We can never decide on a date. They choose the middle of the conference finals, and I after I just had surgery on my mouth, and I, I'm just a mess. I'm I, I, this whole trip I was <laughs> I was uncomfortable. Like I, I I didn't well I enjoyed myself. I you're when you're around your friends you tend to enjoy yourself, but I was super uncomfortable the whole time, and. I just, I just so badly wanted to like get back and get back into writing, get back into podcasting. But I was on this trip, and I get back. Game three's already finished, and I figured okay, we'll record after game four. So here, here we are. I'm in pain. I'm on a bunch of medication. 
But I'm here, and if I slur my words, I apologize. I still quite, I still can't quite open my mouth all the way. But no more excuses. Let's do this. Here we are. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, this series is not at all gone how I thought it was gonna go. Like this, it, yeah, like it, <laughs> yeah. It, it's two two, and it's a competitive series. But we we've only had one competitive game before the series. We were talking about how these teams were so close in caliber and how it's very much the most intended, most anticipated series of the last five years outside of Warriors Cavs. We've had three blowouts, man. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess if you want to call the first game a blowout, but yeah, it's at sure, least two blowouts. Right. Yeah, like the, the first game, it was close over the first three quarters. The Warriors kind of ran, kind of ran away with it in the last part of the third quarter and the fourth quarter. But yeah, I mean... Now, with that being said, I'm actually pretty impressed with at how resilient the Rockets have been. Like, there were several opportunities the Rockets where the Rockets could have just folded. Like, whether that's after Game One, where the takes were just flying. Like, Rockets takes were just flying off the wall after Game One, um, or after Game Four, where the after Game Three, where the Warriors just blew the doors off the Rockets and won by a franchise high of 41 points. Um, that's I think that's a franchise high for the Rockets. They've never lost by that many points. And after the first the first five minutes of Game Four, where they're down twelve zero, or even the third quarter after of Game Four, where Steph just lost his mind and the Warriors had just one of those those monster stretches, and they survived all that, and it's two two right now. Yeah, that w- which was amazing. Uh... Can I take a second to talk about Game Three, which we didn't ever get a chance to talk about just just for a moment, Go just ahead. for a moment here? Uh, I saw a lot of people and heard a lot of people talking about how it was a forty point blowout, you know, and no matter like what went right for the Rockets, it wouldn't have been enough, et cetera. Like it's not gonna oh they missed layups, that doesn't make forty points a difference, stuff like that, which is fair. Well, uh, th- but I, that's not how basketball works. Like, right, <laughs> that's, that's my point exactly. Yeah, they don't. That doesn't. That ignores how the game works, right? You can tell. You can. You've seen a lot of teams do this. We've seen the Rockets do this a plenty of times where they miss open shots. Their defense starts suffering because their mentality is shot, and then they go on. They start, they go on tilt. They start pressing, and then it gets out of hand, right? It's it's not just like the game would have gone the same if they just like hit three more threes. No, it, it it's it's chaos theory, man. It like it it deltas out from things. So if they had done better in the first half, we don't know what the second half would have been like. Stuff like that. Like there's never there's no such thing as a forty point blowout, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like anything above about like fifteen points is honestly infinity. Right? Like if it especially with twenty. After a point you just it's just you've given up. So it's not like it matter like getting blown up by thirty versus forty is no difference whatsoever. A blowout's just a blowout. And at a point it just becomes who cares how big the margin is. So I I feel like it's and this goes both ways. This goes, you know, with Rockets blowouts too. It's not necessarily that it's like they're they're that much better if they blow a team out by thirty as opposed to twenty five. Uh, no NBA team is thirty or forty points better than any other NBA team. Why do you think there's been so many blowouts? Like, is it just like the modern NBA? Like, if, even if you look back at twenty sixteen, and we all look back at Warriors Cavs in twenty sixteen, and I think mentally most people think that's a pretty good series. But if you look game by game, there, there are a lot of blowouts in that series too, man. And that, and I would call that a very competitive series. I mean, down to the wire in Game Seven, obviously. And I don't know is it is it just like we shoot more threes now, so there's more variance for blowouts, or is this or is it just, is it just the way 
Like, it's gone. Or is it just, you know, like, this particular series has gone blowouts? I think it might have to do with the fact that these, the good teams in the league right now are really good at landing haymakers. Like, I think the teams get on a roll a lot. I think it's easy for things to get out of hand. Uh, I just, I think the teams are, I don't know, like, my only going theory is that, like, teams are just kind of better, and their offense is better. And when a good, so, when a good offense gets out of hand, it really gets out of hand, and things get lopsided very easily. So I think it's just that games are kind of getting decided sooner. And since offense is very good, you do have, like, yeah, if you get down 25, you're just kind of done, right? But we've, we've seen all these teams get down by 25 and, like, come back or get down by 15 and come back, stuff like that. So uh, there is a bigger variance there, but I feel like the offense is maybe outstripping, like, human mentality. And so it's more easy for things like you get big swings inside of a game and it's more easy for one of those swings to break the team. And at that point, then you're just done. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. You see a lot more packing it in uh, nowadays and probably a couple years ago. But I mean, I, I just think it's, as you said, it's just really difficult to come, especially the Warriors in particular. It's very like, it's damn near impossible to come back from a Warriors blow, which is why game four, was so impressive, and it's going to go down as one of the most signature wins in Rockets franchise history, even if they don't win yes. the series. Like yes. It's, it's going to be... It's an all-timer, man. Like, they, the grit that they showed, and, like, just the willingness, and the, it's some of the best defense I've ever seen the Rockets play. Ever. Like, ever. Like, and, I, and I've watched Rockets basketball for years now. That was one of the best defensive games I've ever seen them play. Against one of the greatest offenses of all time. It was just... They were their communication was just on point. James Harden was awesome, like in, in not 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 particularly offensively. Like he missed a bunch of threes, but his defense was just otherworldly comp- uh, for his for his level, right? Like he was yeah, those back to back steals were amazing. Right, he was poking balls away. He was getting deflections. He was very much engaged. I mean, th- there were a couple plays here and there where he missed Clay Thompson for an open three, or he. Uh, he got back cut on. But you're going to get that with the James Harden game. In particular, this was one of his best defensive games. And, like, a very awesome team win. In ter- especially that fourth quarter. That fourth quarter, they allowed three field goals. That sounds stupid. For, for the Warriors, that is just unheard of. They allowed 12 points. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous, man. Against a team like this with four Hall of Famers with two MVPs, with the amount of shooting that they can put on the floor at all times. I don't think they have a lot of shooters, but they, they have the ability to put on put to, to put together like lineups of Clay, KD, Steph, and like the two other guys don't even matter when you have that much shooting on the floor. Like it's it's just insane that they only allow 12 points and I don't know, like that that game is it's going to be it's going to be like they the way they've responded to this Warrior series, like I think at this point Rockets fans are playing with house money, like and and I don't think the Rockets are at all thinking the way that you should as a Rockets fan. As a Rockets fan, like even if they lose a series and if they lose in six games, they've done what they needed to do this year. Yeah, like they've they've exceeded expectations. Uh, they made it a competitive series. They responded to the Warriors in a way no other team has responded to the Warriors this year. Uh, they're probably going to be their stiffest opponent opponent on the way to the finals. I don't think any team in the in the East is even going to if now this is assuming that the Warriors make the finals. Which is still, you know, I mean, it's two two right now. Rockets have home court advantage. I don't want to write them off yet, but right now, as of this moment, the Rockets. If you're a Rockets fan, 
you've got to feel pretty accomplished. I'm sure the Rockets aren't thinking yeah. like this, but the, if you're if you're a fan of this team, you got to be pretty ha- happy away, the way things have gone so far. Yeah, this is a, the best position the Rockets have been in since 1995. Yeah, like legitimately, this is they are. Well, maybe '97 and that Seattle yeah. series, maybe they were pretty close. Yeah, you know. that's true. Yeah, uh, and we'll see. For, I mean, if they if if they win another game in this series, then uh, that will be the, you know have a, uh, forcing a game seven on your home court to go to the finals. Right. So uh, this is yeah. Even like you said, even if they lose out the rest of the way, even if they lose games five and six, they have done what they needed to do to gain respect. And I think it's a big deal with that game. That game was a respect game. Uh, they forced the NBA universe to acknowledge them with that game by coming back from being down 12 points twice against the Warriors in that game and only 10 minutes. That is a punch in the mouth that the Warriors have not felt since before they had Kevin Durant. They survived the Warriors' fabled third quarter, man. Like, that's... No team survived that at all. Like, when, when while that was happening, like, and if, you, if, you, if you weren't looking at the scoreboard, you'd just be like, man, it's over. It's over. And if you looked at the scoreboard, it's like, oh my god, it's they're only down 12? Right, they, they, they're in the game. Like after that, after that Steph explosion, after the, the shimmy, after all that, they were still in the game. And teams like twenty-eight other teams don't survive that 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 punch. Like this team is so impressive. It's gonna go down as one of the, the best Rockets teams of all time. Even if they don't win a championship, it's, they're just they're just so stupid good, on, especially on defense. And man, like I I just. Like I don't know how 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 else to describe what has otherwise been a very impressive series for them. Now, I'm I'm sure internally they really really want to win this series, and they probably do believe they have a really good chance, and they do. They have two games at home here, um, and they gotta win two games. They gotta win two games in a row against the Warriors at some at some point, which is gonna be hard. Like right, it's either gonna be the next yeah. game. Uh, and you know they've already won this game, so two games in a row against the Warriors, really difficult. Or if they lose the next game, they got to win the next two in a row. At the, winning two games in a row against the Warriors is damn near impossible. Now, I'm not saying they can't do it, but it's but it's gonna be how they respond at home is gonna be a real bellwether for this series. PJ Tucker, by the way, in Game Four was just like he only had three points. He had 14 rebounds, man. The guy was everywhere, and I mean every like all over Clay Thompson, all over KD. Uh, like forced a bunch of difficult mid range twos, um, got a bunch of deflections. Was all over the offensive glass. Like this was a signature PJ Tucker game. Uh, yeah, this is this is a like I said, we're in house money territory, right? Like they just need to get out there in Game Five and just just be themselves, just compete, just let loose. Yeah, and uh, like honestly, I I've been saying this a lot recently, but I kind of think in playoff series, by the time you get to like games five through seven, the series is what it's going to be. There's not a lot more adjustments to make after a point, and they just have to play it out. Now they just have to like play out the games and to see who comes out on top. Uh, and this is a lot closer of a series than we expected, even with that forty point blowout. Uh, even though none of the none of the games have been tight except for one of them, uh, they can make the Warriors bleed. Their defensive scheme was incredible, uh, and this is going to be this is going to be real. Uh, 
the Warriors might just come out and like tear everyone's hearts out in Game Five. But at this point, that doesn't matter anymore. I guess <laughs> the Rockets have already shown how great they are. Losing to one of the best teams ever, if not the best team ever, in a long and contested series is really not that bad. <laughs> right, especially when before the year started, nobody thought the the Warriors would even play a competitive series, right? And we're at this point where it's going to be a six-game series either way. Like, it, at, at minimum, it's going to be a six-game series to close out. And I don't, I don't think anyone even expected a six-game series from anybody in the Western Conference from the Warriors. Like, I, I really believe people thought that the Warriors are going to walk around, walk over anybody they, they, they were up against, even in the conference finals. Like, like going into the series, I mean, look at how many people had the Warriors in five. Like, yeah. and, and that that's a respectable opinion, by the way, man. That, that, that's actually, you know, not... That's not out of the realm of possibility of a being a good take. I think it's a, I think that's a very good prediction, actually. Like I mean, they are I, a couple I, made shots tonight from being up three one. So right, yeah, like like that's like like half of the predictions were Warriors in five or Warriors in four. So they've already exceeded all that. And but by the way, uh, this, this is a little off topic. How many tweets do you think were deleted last night? Like <laughs> mid game, uh, plenty. But that's happened. That's been happening a lot. But yeah, I think a lot of oh a lot God. of people kind of kind of quieted down on their takes. I think a lot of tweets got sent to drafts. <laughs> like after, like, and I was tweeting this as the game started. That first few minutes, like you could not have scripted a worse start from the Rockets, and you could have really, yeah. like, it was very conceivable of the Warriors just running away with that game. Like, and it being another 40-point blowout. Like, that was very much on the table, and this could have been 1-2-3 Cancun. Like, that, the, I think that was very much there. And um, that's, that's one of the reasons this, was, this game was so impressive. They, would, they withstood that horrible, horrible start. Like, everybody was off, and Harden was passing up open jumpers. Like, that one open jumper. Yeah, that jumper. was weird. Yeah, that that was that was bizarre. Like, if the rock if the Rockets lost that game, they would have played that that shot on SportsCenter like damn near twenty four seven because that's like that's gonna be the lasting image of that game had they not won and had Harden not responded the way he did in the second quarter. But instead, it's Draymond. <laughs> that dunk, by the way, that was incredible. Oh my god! Like, is that like okay? So obviously, we're a Rockets podcast, so we. So we have to kind of center our takes here, but I mean, in terms of dunks of the year, like where does that rank for you, man? Like it's it's got to be like top ten, top five, right? Uh, that was I think my favorite dunk of the year, and I'll leave it at that. I don't know if it was the best dunk of the year, but it was my favorite dunk I mean, of the year. The reason I say dunk of the year—that's the defensive player of the year, my man. Like that, like that's yeah. that's one of the best defenders in the game, probably. The best defender in the playoffs, by the way. Like, he's been... Draymond's been a monster. Like, and, like, I, I talked about this on uh, our podcast with Jared Dudley, but, like, he's just blown up everything in the playoffs. Like, like he's t- completely taken away that Clint Capella law pass with James Harden. Like, Which that's is gone. huge. That's huge, yeah. Like, that's gone. <laughs> like, the, the Rockets can't go to that anymore. They're not getting those dirty buckets anymore. He's read that perfectly every single time and deflected the pass... Or you know, forced a really bad shot from Clint Capella. Like he is 
completely covered that up. You could tell that's something he saw in film sessions and really made a point to just take away. And to dunk on that guy in that moment where the Rockets were trying to come back and trying to make keep their head above water at that point, right? Like that that, that was the feeling at that point in the game. To make that kind of dunk, I mean, like I felt like that that dunk should have been worth like five points. Like that that's how big it felt for the Rockets. Like it really was a momentum shifter. Yeah, uh, that was a big deal. Uh, it people were saying oh, this is going to wake the Warriors up and like get them back in the game, but I don't. I, f- I feel like the Warriors aren't a team who gets mad about bleeding their own blood. I don't think punches in the nose get them hyped. I think them punching you in the nose gets them hyped. And they did get hyped after Curry hit. You know, Curry hit those threes. Had 17 points in the third quarter. Uh, did get them get them rolling. But uh, the Rockets get off on uh, on dunking on uh, Draymond Green or watching Draymond Green get blocked by the rim. Yeah, the Warriors were like you could just tell they were gassed by the time. Like I think both teams were to an extent, but more so the Warriors. Like they were just completely gassed by the fourth quarter because they just never played a game. Or like forty minutes a piece per before at at any point in the season they just weren't used to it and Steve Kerr did his best to try and manage those guys but I mean there were so many there's so many players in in this series that are just flat out unplayable like flat out unplayable we haven't seen yeah. Zaza Pachulia in years David West gone uh like <laughs> like they're just a bunch like I mean for the Rockets Ryan Anderson gone Luka Mute, gone Nene gone. Like, there are a bunch of guys on both sides that just aren't seeing the floor anymore, and it's forced these short rotations. Are you at all concerned about this? Like, does it bother you that the Rockets are playing seven-man rotations? Uh, Okay, this is a very good question. And I think it does uh, relate to the Warriors' performance in that fourth quarter, which is to say that the Warriors are also playing a seven-man rotation at this point, or they were without Andre Godala. Uh, yeah. I think the Rockets will have an eight-man rotation if Luke was healthy. He's clearly not right. Uh, he's clearly too timid with his layups and dunks because of that shoulder. Uh, it sucks because he should be in that rotation. That would help them out quite a bit with being able to spread those minutes around. Uh, the Warriors being missing guys puts them to a seven-man rotation. And once again, one of those one of the Rockets players in the rotation is uh, is Gerald Green, which people have been making fun of and honestly rightfully hey, so hey, hey gerald gerald was big <laughs> he was time. good yeah like like on the defensive event and that it's surprising for me to even say man like like listen gerald green on the defensive end is just a tire fire like the guy is just so unplayable except last night. yeah yeah except last <laughs> night in the biggest moments he is just so scary to put out on the floor like like, like you just know like maybe not mike d'antoni but other coaches are just so fearful of putting him into games because of just the amount of like times he'll fall asleep, like on a back door, and just let guys cut by him. Listen, man, Gerald. Gerald is like, like if if they're not they're not playing Gerald, like they're they're playing a six man unit right. essentially at this point. Right, but at the same time, the Warriors have as one of their guys, uh, Nick Young. Right. right. So, so both both teams are in this situation where they're not playing many many players. Uh, I guess there is so there the worry is that the Warriors will get back Andre Godala and then they'll have an eight man rotation and the Rockets will be stuck with a seven man rotation and that can be a problem, especially if the series goes longer. Uh but for what it's worth, I think I'm worried about that, but I'm also not. And the reason 
is that in that last game you saw that the the or the Warriors were very tired. They were dying out there. They weren't just being defended well, which they were. They were being defended incredibly well, but they also weren't hitting stuff they usually hit. They weren't finding a shots they usually find. They were a step slow because they had been playing for so long. Draymond and uh, KD both had to play almost the entire second half. It was ridiculous. Uh, I don't, and I think that uh, there is a. The hope for the Rockets has to be the following that they are better at playing a game in the mud than the Warriors are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like we've complained about Mike D'Antoni playing his stars and blowouts for, like, the past two years. And, like, this might be a skill at this point. Playing so many, like, so many games with 40-plus minutes. Like, like the Rockets are accustomed to that. They, they've done that before. They've been there. They've done that. They know how to do it. Harden's been doing it for years. Trevor Reese has been doing it for years. Um, like these guys have their bodies so trained to that. I think there is a real thing there about that. Now, I, I do think that the Rockets are playing are playing it the right way in seven and playing seven man unit rotations because I mean if you look at the roster, who are you going to play at this point? Like last year, maybe you could say, oh, after Nene went down, you should have played Montrezl Harrell, right? Maybe you could say that, but I, but like I don't think there's anybody on the Rockets roster that you can re- realistically say is playable right now. Like, I mean, Luke and Mute was supposed to be that eighth guy, but with this, the shoulder, you mentioned it, the shoulder injury has made him just such a non-factor in this series. He is a offensive liability. Like the, the Warriors were already going to give him a bunch of space to shoot threes. But now if he's not even going to make layups, like if he's not going to make those cuts that he's so good at, like he's, he's a great cutter. Like, he just makes a bunch of cuts throughout the game and gets a lot of easy dunks and layups. If he's not going to do that, and if the Warriors were already going to leave him open anyways, and he just doesn't trust that shoulder to begin with, like, it just makes it so much more difficult for the Rockets to play an eight-man rotation, man. Like, it's, 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 you have to play Gerald Green. Like, that's the only guy you can play to get a release valve of sorts. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's really too bad that Luke is not healthy, um... I guess Ryan Anderson maybe is the second closest player being playable. Maybe Nene, but they're just going to run off the court. And, you know, the, obviously the Warriors are the same problem. They just have one more playable player, uh, which is kind of too bad. The Rockets only need to find a way to make one more player run off the court for the Warriors. They need to actually go in on Nick Young or something like that. And I think that guy's Jordan Bell, actually. It might be. Because if they can, if they can only play Looney and uh, and Livingston off the bench, then you have something. By the way, Kevon Looney, pretty good man. Like he's been a pretty good player for the Warriors. Like he's legitimately played pretty as well a defense as you can on James Harden and Chris Paul when he's been switched out onto the perimeter. Like that, that's been such a thing for the Rockets, like and the Warriors, like finding the right switches in. Like that's been pretty much all we've. That's the entire analysis of Rockets Warriors has been ISO ball, right? And finding your right, your right switch, right? And finding, like, the, I mean, there's there's been tons of articles on on this. The Rockets have targeted Steph Curry like a billion times on switches, right? And Ke- for for a while there, Kevon Looney was a guy the Rockets targeted, but he's he's kind of stayed his ground, man. Like he's done a good job, uh, for as you know. Like, as difficult an assignment that is, staying on Harden and Chris Paul in the perimeter, like, he's done a decent job at it. 
Yeah, uh, man, they've all been, everyone's been better than expected on that end when they're on on that end. Uh, I don't. Game three aside, uh, the Rockets' defense is like team wide fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I told you, like game four was one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from a Rockets team. It's just, it's just like they're so locked. Like you can tell, this is the series they've been waiting for all year. And they're so focused, they're so locked in, they're communicating so well. Um, and Mike D'Antoni, like, like he, he looked like that guy. After every game, I feel like he's just been through a boxing match. Like watching him on the podium, like uh, during post game, like he doesn't look happy after wins. He looks relieved. Like he, he, like, he, <laughs> yeah. does, he doesn't look like he's joyful or anything. He just looks like I survived, you know. Like it's it's just a gauntlet for him. He's just been mentally fried. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, this is this is a lot. This is this series is a whole lot. It's, uh, it's no surprise it's that he fun, just looks like he's fun, man. Yeah, it's. I love this. I, I, I we've been waiting for it all year, and it's everything we wanted it to be. Like this is yeah, this is the season. The Rockets have a seven-game season this year. Yeah, we talked about how the Rockets are playing with the, uh, Rockets fans, not, not not the Rockets. The, the Rockets really want to win this championship, but Rockets fans are playing with house money right now. If they win this game game five at home, my God, getting a three-two lead on the Warriors. I mean, the confidence boost that you get from that. Like, I mean. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty insane going into Oracle Arena. Like the pressure just immediately shifts to the Warriors. Like it imme- like this is gonna be such a interesting game because the Rock all the pressure is on the Rockets right now to, to, to protect home court. But if they protect home court in that first game, the all the pressure in the series immediately shifts to the Warriors. I mean the Warriors haven't been in an elimination game since twenty sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> so but more importantly, I want to see like if the Rockets can get an op- some sort of offensive rhythm going. Because in Game Four, I felt like you know as great of a defensive performance as it was, it really felt like they were dragging their feet in mud, like on offense. Yeah. Like it, it, like the ISO ball. I mean, we just talked about it. it's been it's been the most talked about thing in the series. But it's it's they're doing it by necessity. I was getting a little frustrated after Game One of the analysis of the Rockets ISO ball because I you know the, the stat about the Rockets ISOing more. On the Warriors more than any other team in the league. Like, I feel like people don't realize why the Rockets isolate. Like, like I really do feel like people just think they isolate because they like they're bored or something. Like, or that's just that's just what they want to do. Like, they yeah, it's, that's it's, just what you get. It's a strategy, man. Like, yeah. it's legitimate strategy. Like, when the Warriors switch everything, that's all you can. I mean, that's one of the only things you can do. And it's one of the yeah. most one of the more effective things you can do if you have the right players. That's why Kyrie and LeBron were so effective in that 2016 finals is because the Warriors switched everything and they had to resort to ISO ball, which those two guys are really great at doing and which and and that's what Chris Paul and James Harden have been doing so great all year. That's why they're ISOing more than any other series. It's because the Warriors are switching more than any other series. Yeah, uh, and that's why that's why they are considered to be uh, built to take on the Warriors because they're exploiting the only. It's I. It, it, I'm gonna get nerdy here for a second. You know how Superman uh, is vulnerable to magic in the comic books. Sure. 
Uh, so, so the deal with it is that he's he's not weak to magic. It's just that he's not immune to it. So, it's if you want to fight Superman, you have to come at him not with something he's weak against, but just with something he's normal against. It's just anything that can hurt him. I feel like if that's that's the Warriors with uh, isolation plays. They're not particularly susceptible to them. You know, you're not going to do great with them, but it's better than everything else. You're not going to get any, you're not going to find any, any other weak points. Everything else is, you know, like incredibly tough and destructible. So you just have to attack them where they're not so much soft, just normal. Yeah. Um, and, and even the Warriors are isolating a lot more than they usually do at yes. this point. Like, and, and like, it's, that's because the Rockets switch everything. Like, 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 it's not, it's not a coincidence, man. Like, these are the two best switching defenses in the NBA. That, that's, this is what you get. Like, this is like, this is basically what you have to do, and Zach Lowe talked about this on his podcast. Like, th- like this is like where these skills, like these these archaic skills that we've long like basically <laughs> hated. Like we've hated people who isolate. We've hated people who post up for like the past ten years. That's that's been a mocked style of basketball, but now it. It's it's kind of become more in vogue and more a modern style of play when other teams switch everything on the end uh, on the other end of the floor. When you have a spaced floor and when you have good isolation basketball players, that's a really valuable skill set, man. Yeah, and I, I think uh, what this series is going to come down to is whether or not the difficult matchup that the Rockets have created for the Warriors is enough to overcome the fact that the Warriors are more talented and overall a better team. Uh, The Warriors should have put away the Rockets, honestly. They should be up 3-1 at this point because they are the more talented team. But they're having a hard time with it because they are not able to play their game. And that's by design. That's the point of all of this. I mean, in these knockdown, drag-out fights, in these slow, vicious, like, muddy defensive slugfests where every team is dog-tired, the Rockets are more suited for it because it's what they want to do. They want to have, like, grinded-out possessions where you dribble the ball for a while and everyone just sort of stands around waiting for something to happen. Uh, if that's the way the game is going to go, if they're going to tear apart the Warriors' offense and make them just rely upon talent and one-on-one shooting, they are still an amazing team who will likely beat you, but you can get on their level. Right. You, they have been very successful. The, the Rockets have been very successful in convincing the Warriors to play Rockets basketball. Right. Like, and, and that's a big deal. It's kind of It's kind of funny how... When when Kevin Durant has like a, a great performance, like it it almost has no effect on what on how the Warriors play offensively. And like I'm not sure if that's like the correct analysis, but it's just the way it's it's just so it's so blaring, right? Like it, it's so obvious that everything runs through Steph and their beautiful motion offense, and every and all their you know all their ball movement, all their body movement, and and the Rockets switching everything just takes. A lot of that away, and it forces them to rely on Kevin Durant. And listen, Kevin Durant's a pretty damn good backup option if you're going to have one, right? When everything breaks down. But the Warriors, I mean, and we saw this last night. Like when Steph came out of the game, the Warriors were a completely different team. The numbers were just terrible. And like when he came out of the game with yeah. foul trouble early in the second quarter, like like the Rock. That's when the Rockets went on their run. And when the when the Warriors went on their run was when. 
Steph came in and he had that really hot third quarter. Like the Warriors are just much better when they run through Steph, and it's kind of, and like Warriors fans have long hammered this point home, and a lot of people have just kind of kind of brushed it off. But they're right, man. Like they are one hundred percent right. Steph is their team, and it's it's just I just think it's funny how like Kevin Durant is like become this like ornament on this Warriors offense. It, 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 have you yeah. has this kind of like has He's this like at a, all th- thrown you yeah. aback? He's like a failsafe. Uh, that's the deal with Kevin Durant. He's an insurance policy in more ways than one. Uh, and in, in this case, the way that matters is that if everything else is falling apart for their offense, if the Warriors are having problems, they can go to Kevin Durant and he can generate some buckets. right? And against any team in the league other than the Rockets, that's going to be enough. They're gonna, he's going to be able to just shoot over guys and get it done, as he's always done in his career. But the downside of that is that sometimes you do meet a team as good as the Rockets. And I've been saying this, but the more the Rockets can convince Kevin Durant to be their entire offense, the more beatable they are. That's a team you can deal with. A team that has the ball flying around and you don't know who's going to murder you on each individual possession, that's not a team you can deal with. That's a team no one can deal with. But if you take that away and you make them play like Oklahoma City Thunder, basketball if they're playing that kevin durant brings a ball up and does a thing that is a game plan that you can that you can live with you know kevin durant can go for 50 points and you can win that game you can win that game so which is it sounds so crazy to say that kevin durant can go for 50 and you can beat the warriors like that is like you just wouldn't expect that but like it is like i mean like when steph went away with in when when went down with that injury like we we saw this then, like their offense was not the same, man. Like it just, it was just so bogged down, and I I don't think it's Kevin Durant's fault at at all. I just no. think it's I just think it's no, the he's, way he's doing. Yeah, he's doing everything they're asking him to do. I just think it's the way that that team is constructed, man. Like they're just better playing free and motion and and off the ball movement and cutting and split cuts and backdoor stuff and like you know all, all this beautiful motion offense and. When when Kevin Durant plays that way, it like you said it, it plays right into their hands, and I just think like I just think that the Rockets have done a really great job at forcing the, them to play that way. Because when when the Rockets are switching everything and playing defense the way they have, they force the Warriors to turn the ball over a bunch, man. Like they they've gotten six, they got sixteen turnovers from the Warriors last night. And that's a lot for them, yeah. Yeah, and like that's because like the Rockets are getting their hands on a bunch of basketballs, especially Chris Paul and Trevor Reza. They've gotten a bunch of deflections in this series. And um and they forced a bunch of wide open, you know, transition basketball for the Rockets, which which they normally don't get as much as they have, but the Warriors move, moving the ball around as they as they do, like that that's kind of opened up a new gateway to score for the Rockets. And it's it's been pretty effective, like and, and that's why the Warriors are kind of shelling up and playing the way they are because they don't want to turn the ball over. They don't want to, you know, ha- play right into the Rockets' hands. Yeah, uh, which is also playing in the Rockets' hands. Yeah, like I said, I, the Rockets are not as talented, but they have been built to exploit this. The whole point of the Rockets' defense is honestly to make those Kevin Durant isolations look tempting. That's yeah. the cheese. The cheese is to say, oh, well, you know, you can get a switch, and that switch can be really good for you. Look at that. Kevin Durant can shoot over Chris Paul. 
don't you want Kevin Durant shooting over Chris Paul every single possession? Hey, why don't you just go ahead and let Kevin Durant handle the ball, get a switch, and we'll just play it that way. Uh, and it's it is very tempting if they're if they're intercepting passes, if they're messing up the lanes, if they're uh, switching effectively, and sometimes not switching effectively, depending on what's happening, which is an improvement they made in the last game. Uh, if they are going to make the rest of their offense difficult, if they're going to be able to run out on fast breaks off of turnovers and make them pay for that, it it does make it very tempting just to let Kevin Durant do stuff. Uh, but Kevin Durant's best use for the Warriors is to just be a scary statue in the corner, really. Like, he's there to be a better Harrison Barnes. I was just about to say that. I was, I was just about to say that. Like, he's there to be Harrison Barnes on steroids. Like, that's... And that's... that's It's kind of a bummer, man, to be honest. Like, Kevin Durant is so awesome. And to see him on his Warriors team... I mean, I, I don't want to get into this because I feel like a billion different podcasts have had this conversation. <laughs> like, it's just... He is such a bummer on this Warriors team because he's, first of all, he's not fully actualized, in my opinion. Like, a lot of people feel like he is, but I just feel like he's not. And, like, he'd, he'd be so awesome on a different team where the the offense is built around him to play that way, much like how the Rockets play. Like, he's he'd be so much better in a Rockets offense than he would a Warriors offense. Like, his numbers would jump off the page more so the way the Rockets like to play, than the way the Warriors like to play. And that's not to say the, that Kevin Durant isn't great the way the Warriors like to play. He's he's a fantastic passer when he needs to be. But, yeah. but like, he's just, like, so much better playing this stagnant way. And in a lot of ways, I mean, we're finding out right now, playing stagnant offense is actually might, might be better built for the playoffs, man. Well, uh, <laughs> what is it that... that uh... A few years ago, Draymond Green said the other team is going to try to copy the way the Warriors uh, play defense on their small ball lineup, on their, their at that time, death lineup, uh, but other teams don't have the personnel. I'll say now that uh, the Rockets are trying to convince other teams to play this like garbage ball like they play, but other teams don't have the personnel. You have to have the right guys to make this work. You can't run this Rockets offense if you don't have two of the best isolation scorers in the league. You have to have that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's he's kind of a mismatch on that team. Uh, it doesn't matter because they're so talented. And I want to say, no, I am I am not like saying like, oh my god, the Rockets have this; they're going to win a series. Yeah, no, no. I, no. I mean, no. we're still going. I'm still going Warriors and six. I forgot what your pick was. It was also Warriors and six. Yeah, yeah. So like, we're still on Warriors and six. I, I don't think it's gonna. It's gonna. Like, I think for me to really change my mind, like the Rockets have to. Like the next game, they have to really win this one because then they maintain yeah. home court and all the pressure goes to the Warriors. And, right. and and you know, game seven in your home court, like that's all you wanted, man. That's all. That that's what the Rockets won sixty five games for. That's what the Rockets fought tooth and nail for at the, towards the end of the season. That's why they didn't, you know, rest their guys down the stretch, because they wanted this home court advantage. And to, listen, like it might be, it might come in handy. Like if they win one more basketball game within their next two, home courts in the at, in the Toyota Center. I mean, it's about to come in handy right now, right? But anyway, right. the point is that like it's not that we're picking the Rockets; is that they have a chance. There's a path, like, and you can see the path. It isn't just like, well, let's just hope that some guys like break their legs. No, there, there is a path here that can work. 
And that home court advantage is going to come up right away. Tomorrow, they play Game 5 in Houston. And obviously, Game 5 is a big deal. Game 5 is the game where someone is going to be in elimination game every game from that point on. And you want to not be that team who's playing elimination games. Yeah, speaking of injuries, are you at all worried about Chris Paul? Like, like, even just a little bit, like, are you concerned about that? I guess that was an ankle injury. No, it was like an Achilles injury, right? He's not going to get any worse, is my feeling. Like it, he's already as hobbled as he's going to be. So he, it's he's going to have on and off periods. That's how like these kind of nagging injuries tend to do. That you can play through them somewhat, but they do bother you. So we'll we'll maybe see him have good halves and bad halves and stuff. But I don't think it's going to get any worse than it already is. If if this were the if this were the regular season, he'd probably have. Like a week or two off at this point, yeah. but he, you know, obviously it's the playoffs and everybody's dealing yeah. with something. Like it's Iguodala is hurt. Uh, Clay got Clay hurt Thompson, yeah. in Game Four, which he's not questionable in Game Five. Um, how much do you think that affects what the Warriors are going to do in Game Five? Like, it, can they survive a Clay injury like at all? If he misses the game, they're in some deep water. Uh, I think that like if if especially if Iguodala misses it too, like they can't they can't lose two players, especially with Steph clearly is like still fighting something. And once again, by the way, a player can still shoot a lot of threes and be like recovering from something. Yeah, it's uh, not it's not as simple as Clay hurt or as or as Steph hurt or like Steph not hurt. He's just still recovering from something. He's not at one hundred percent. But that uh, being said, I, I still enjoy the jokes. Like I, I still oh, enjoy, like, jokes are always fun. Yeah, the, yeah, like he's definitely like battling. Like even if it's not, even if he's a hundred percent and he's like, you know, he's he's good to go medically. He, he's still getting back into rhythm, right? Yeah, clearly, yeah, and his, his rhythm and his conditioning and stuff. Yeah, but the, but the jokes are awesome. Like you know, it, did Steph have a good game? Yes, then, then he's then he's not hurt. Like I've I've <laughs> seen that I've seen a variation of that joke everywhere on Twitter. It's funny every single time. But yeah, everyone's dealing with stuff. I think that Iguodala and Clay Thompson, I would guess they'll probably play in Game Five because you really don't want to punt that game. <laughs> like, like that's if if the Warriors go ahead and decide to sit both Iguodala and Clay Thompson, that is like an all-time power play. That's all something time confidence move. Some that's something Steve Kerr would totally do. Steve Kerr would totally do that. Like he, he like he's that type of coach, but um. Yeah, listen. If they start, if the Warriors go into Game Five with Nick Young starting and Kevon Looney, they are so. I, I, I'm not gonna say they're a guaranteed loss, but they are so screwed, man. Like that. That's just. Well, by that same token, though, if they somehow win a game with Iguodala and Clay Thompson sitting, uh, that is a massive. That's like two losses for the Rockets in one if they manage to lose that game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Iggy's coming back. Like because going, I think they'll both play. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about Clay, but I think Iggy's coming because like going into game, going into game four, like Iggy got up, updated from questionable to like, like it, it, there was an upgrade there right before yeah. game time, and like uh, and I think going into game five, I feel like he's going to be healthy. Um, but yeah, we've talked that we we've talked enough about this series. I'll try to be more regular with this thing. I think we'll try to do one. After game five or after game six? One of those two. Um, if there's going to be a game seven, we're definitely going to do a podcast before then. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still a little loopy. We're done with this podcast. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at Red Nation Hoops and at Do Nuts. 
give us a good rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. That really helps me find the show. And yeah, guys, good night.